All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 John. We're going to look at chapter 2 today, verses 3 to 14. So towards the back of your Bibles, 1 John chapter 2 is where we're going to be digging in. All right, throughout the message today, I'm going to be asking for some feedback, uh, so a little bit more interactive than we uh, normally are. Um, I love, we're going to take advantage of the opportunity that we have with a group of this size. Um, we're going to make it more of a conversation uh, uh, than a, a, just a, a straight message. So uh, let's pray and then we'll get to work. Father, thank you for your word. Father, this is a, a very important thing that we're covering this morning. What does it mean to know you? How we answer that question is eternally important. And so I pray that you open up our eyes. Help us look at your word. Help us apply it to our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so a couple of questions. Um, can you guys give me some examples that you follow? And it can be different areas of your life, but different people, different examples of people you follow in your life. It could be in your profession. It could be uh, sports-related, school-related. Do you guys? Can you guys share some examples that you follow? Parents, what example? What about them? Their habits, all right. At work, I work at a school and my boss is the principal and I follow them because she's very professional and fair, kind. She's there for the kids, so that's who I want to follow. All right. Come on, people that we, we... you follow his example? Man, I've seen him on the basketball court. I don't see too much of LeBron James in your game. LeBron James. Somebody else? Come on, think of examples that we follow everyday life. Father? All right. So I think we have numerous examples, and I just I try to think back. Obviously, parents, I think, follow their example. Uh, sometimes we do our parenting style because it's what we've seen our parents do. Um, coaching, I, I've picked some coaches that I'm trying to, to follow their example. Um, at school, uh, in our classroom, special ed collaborative, I look at the ones that are doing it well, try to follow their, we're, we're always following someone's example. And today, what you'll see with chapter 2, verse 6 of 1 John, is if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to follow His example. Now, Camden, how many times have you seen Jesus? With your eyes, have you ever seen Him? I haven't. So how are you going to follow His example? That's the question I ask, right? I think that's a question we should be asking. I've never seen Jesus. Like, it's easy to follow someone we see, so how do we, we find out we're following Jesus? Bam. Word of God. Right? He's chosen to show us who He is in the Bible. Now, we're going to see how important the Bible is to us if we're going to follow Jesus. So I want to read the text, and then we'll jump in. And listen, if you guys have comments, questions, concerns as we go through it, jump in. Jump in, all right? So it's going to be a little bit different. 
But let's, let's make this a little bit more interactive. Verse 3. And by this, we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. So we know that we know God if we keep His commandments. Verse 4. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I love how John never leaves gray areas. You cannot sit on the fence if you're hanging around with John. You're either in or you're out. You're either walking in darkness or you're walking in light. You're either obeying the commandments or you are not. Verse 5, But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That's where we get our example in Christ. Verse 7, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It's pretty clear if you're walking in darkness. It's by how you love or not love your brother, sister, in Christ. Then he keeps on going. Verse 12, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. We have slowed down our pace. You guys can remember when we tried to get through a book of the Bible in a week. But here you see in just these few verses, this is a loaded text. And we want to digest this. It's like a steak, right? With a steak, you want to chew it up, enjoy the flavor, and digest it. You don't just wolf it down. Here, we need to chew on this just a little bit, see what God has for us. So, number one, if we're walking with Jesus, we will keep His commandments. We will keep His commandments. Now, I, I want to be careful. I saw a video uh, this week. There was uh, a lady in her wedding dress, and uh, her and the groom were getting ready to jump in the water. Why? I don't know. I, don't know. I, I was married, and we didn't do that. I don't know if a lot of brides want to get their wedding dresses soaking wet, but they thought it would be a cool photo op. So they go, one, two, three, and they jump in. And sure enough, this bride goes in and the dress comes up. Now, if you guys have ever been around a wedding dress, that's a lot of material. And that wedding dress surrounded her head. And so the groom's now panicking, trying to get it out, and he couldn't get it. They had to pick her up out of the water, put her back on the boat, save her life by getting the wedding dress off of her. Now, brides, wedding dresses are a great thing, stressful thing but a great thing. But if you jump in a pool, you may drown with the dress. I'm nervous with this text because you hear obedience and you think, man, if I just did better, would do better, I'll make it. And what will happen, the Bible calls it legalism, 
what will happen is you'll be so worried about doing it that you'll miss out on God. And you'll drown in your attempt to obey. So I want us to be careful here. I want us to see how obedience and walking in the light, confessing our sin flows from a loving relationship with our God. And when we see the love of God, that His love for us, it transforms what we do. It enables our obedience. And so when you hear this, I want you to hear it not as do better. It's an invitation to walk with Christ. And if you're walking with Christ, you're going to do what He says. Right? Obedience is very, very simple. We call Jesus Lord, right? Lord. Lord and Savior. That's who Jesus is. He is not our Lord if we don't do what He says. This is pretty simple, right? Coach Nevels will yell, guys, get in here. Guess who comes? The guys on the team. When he did it Friday night, NCC didn't come running to our sideline. They're not on our team. Not the coach. We listen to Jesus. We're obedient to Jesus because he is Lord of our lives. So verse 3 and 4, very clear. By this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So do you know God? And here's the thing. It's so easy to answer yes to that, isn't it? I've had a lot of people say they know Jesus. But you want to know where the rubber meets the road? Look at their life. Jesus said this. By their fruit, you'll know them. By their fruit, you'll know them. Look at their life. Look at my life. If I know Jesus, I'm going to be obedient. Number four, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar and the truth is not in him. John was dealing with a lot of people with that. With that outlook. Say, oh yeah, we know Jesus, but they weren't following him. They said it, but weren't following him. I think that happens a lot today in our churches. It's easy to profess that we believe in Jesus. We know the facts. But does our life reflect it? And then John goes ahead and and drives us. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. I'm sorry, verse 5. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Uh, What does that mean, love of God is perfected? It's completed, right? The, the commandment's given so that we can live it out. Uh, I'll use this example. This was uh, 2012. Uh, we went to uh, Disney World. I think it was just Ava and Balin at that time. Camden, you were on the horizon. But it was, it was Ava. We, we stood in line. We took turns riding. And Disney World has this uh, log ride called Splash Mountain, right? And this is in July. Lines are long. Hour and a half, Ava and I waited for this ride. And I'll tell you what, when you see the water splashing up, you're like, ah, I hope it's worth it. I hope it's worth it. I hope it's worth it. Hour and a half waiting in line. And she was a trooper. Didn't complain. She got to see all sorts of people standing in line. Got to see all sorts of rides and water. Like, it's exciting. We get up close. We're two logs away from getting on the ride. And you hear this siren. Guy on the announcer comes on, guys, uh, we're going to have a little 10-minute delay. Uh, we're having some maintenance issues. And there, now I'm trying to be a discerning dad, right? We've waited a long time, but this ride's probably not worth risking our lives for. How big a maintenance issue could it be? And so I'm sitting there, I'm talking to, to Ava. I'm like, Ava, I just, I don't know. They'll get it fixed. It's no big deal. Ten minutes later, the announcer comes back on. Guys, I'm sorry to announce 
uh, the part we need to fix the machine won't get here until tomorrow. The ride is closed for the day. So Ava and I get to step down onto the log, step off, and go out the exit. Waited in line, hour and a half, sweating, miserable, just to walk across no ride. Now, when Jesus calls us to do something, it's not enough to know it. We complete it by doing it. Think about it. Love your enemies. I think most of us know that's a command that we're given in the Bible. Easy to know, isn't it? Standing in line. Not completed until we do it. Not completed. And it goes on and on and on. So, we see that our love for God, we love Jesus, we trust Him, we're going to do what He says is completed by obedience. That's what it means right there. So, if we're walking with Jesus, we will keep His commandments. So, anybody have any feedback on that? Do you think that's a, a hard thing, an easy thing? Do you think that's a, a good test to see whether someone knows Christ or not? Do you have any questions? So my question for that would be, man, I've, I've been walking with Christ and I'm still not perfect. Like, like my obedience is growing, but it's not complete obedience. Like I mess up. You can ask people that know me. Well, Ben, you weren't patient in this situation this past week. Ben, you had pride here in your life. And, and so right there, my question would be, so, so what happens with, with that? And then we go back to 1 John 1.9. Anybody remember 1 John 1.9? That was your memorizing test from last week. 1 John 1.9. Crickets. Cricket, come on. If we confess our sin, what happens? Faithful and just. To what? Forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Mom. You memorize... Come on, guys. My mom can't be the only one. Now, listen, I know several of you have that memorized. First John 1 9. Listen, you got to write it down. You got to write it down. You got to write it down. You got to get it in your heart. You got to get it in your life. Because none of us are going to be perfect. We're going to mess up. And that kills fellowship with God. But, but Jesus, our advocate, went to the cross to pay for that. So when you slip into sin, confess it and trust Jesus to save you, forgive you, and cleanse you. All right? Any other comments about obedience? I think it's, it's good to think, like, it's easy for me to look at my own life and say, yeah, I'm doing, you know, I'm obeying, but if I were to ask my wife, if I were to ask the guys at work, if I were to ask, you know, the guys of leadership here at church, or is it going to be the same across the board? Because sometimes it's easier to obey in a church setting than in, you know, working setting or a school setting. And so asking like other people that you rub shoulders with, like, hey, am I, like, what, what would they say is kind of, a, I think, a good barometer about how are you keeping this commandments? Tough questions to ask. Right? But that's what it's talking about, obedience in every area of your life. Right? Not perfection. Not perfection, but growing in obedience every area of your life. All right? Second one, if we're walking with Jesus, we will follow his example. We saw that from verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk as he has walked. Now, I'm going to focus on the example Jesus gave us in loving one another. All right, because that's where John's going here in the next text. And so I want us to see this in light of Jesus' love for us. 
What's one of the first songs we learn as a kid growing up in a church? Jesus loves me. This I know. Why? The Bible tells me so. Right? And so I want to hear what the Bible says about the love Christ has for us. And then, hey, check this out. Write down if you're taking notes, Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. This is a prayer that we should be praying for each other. And I don't think, this wasn't, if, if I listed out the prayers that I've had for our church this week, this wasn't on there until I read it. Now, now check this out. This is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus. And he says, hey, I want you guys to pray this. He, he prays this for people that know God. So, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. So he could say, hey, I'm praying for you, Redemption Church, to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Isn't that an awesome thing to pray for people? Have you prayed that for your husbands? Have you prayed that for your wives? Have you prayed that for your kids? Have you prayed that for your co-workers? Have you prayed it for Redemption Church, people sitting next to you? This is a great thing to pray for one another, that we may know the love of Christ. So I just want us to think real quick about how Jesus has loved us. Uh, John Piper gave four ways to see the depth of the love Christ has for us. Four ways to see it. One way, we see the death of someone's love for us and what it costs him. What it costs them. You know the depth of someone's love by what it costs them. Right? If, if I go in to the store and buy somebody a Snickers bar, or I go to the jewelry store and buy a wedding ring, there's a difference in cost because there's a difference in love. And yet, what do we see with Jesus? What did it cost Jesus? His life. Withheld nothing. Came to earth. To lay his life down. So that's one way. We see the depth of the love of Christ by what it cost him. Number two, we see the depth of someone's love for us by how little we deserve it. How little we deserve it. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's an amazing truth. You and I do not deserve the love of God, and yet Jesus is relentless in coming after us. While we were still sinners, while we were still running from God, while we were still dead in our sin. Jesus says, nope, I'm coming for you. We don't deserve it. That's why we call it grace. You see the depth of the love of Christ. We see the depth of someone's love for us by the greatness of the benefits we receive in being loved. All right, so because Jesus loved us, what are the benefits of that love? So because someone cares about me, when we move houses, I'll have a crew show up to help me move. That shows some love, right? It costs them uh, their comfort cost them their time, cost them some pain and suffering, depending on who has to move the heavy furniture, right? So there's some love shown there. Now, if my house is burning down and someone runs in to rescue me, shows a different depth of love. They're willing to risk their lives to rescue mine, to save my life. That's the benefit. Do you see the benefits we have in Christ because of his love? Saved from an eternity in hell, separated from God, to the presence of God forever and ever and ever in which we'll experience the fullness of joy. There is no benefit like that. 
That's why the love of Christ surpasses everything this world has to offer. And then fourth and finally, uh, Piper would say this. He says, we see the depth of someone's love for us by the freedom in which they love us. Now, if I go down the highway and a truck throws a rock and cracks my windshield, the insurance company will replace the windshield. They'll come and take out the old one, put the new one in, and it's pretty cool. But you know, you know what? I don't say, hey, that insurance company was pretty loving. They acted out of a lot of love there for me. No, why did they do that? Because I pay insurance. So they showed up. Now, we go on vacation. Someone shows up at the house and cuts the grass. No payment. They do it for free. That's love. Freedom of choice. They didn't have to. They could let it grow. It's not a big deal. But because they love, they show up out of freedom of choice, and acted. Now, we see that with Christ, and, and this is the, the beautiful picture. Jesus chose to lay his life down. No one took it from him. He lays it down. It's the greatest display of love. Now, we've heard that story before, right? We know the Gospels. We're trying to comprehend the depth of the love of Christ. Um, one thing that's helpful with that is taking a lesser, still very, very powerful display of love to emphasize the love of Christ. All right, so I'll try it this way. Um, Chuck Colson would share a story about prisoner of wars from World War II. So this guy was taken captive, 20 of his friends, and they were in this prison camp, this concentration camp, and every day, they were giving a shovel to go dig holes around the camp. No purpose to the holes, just go dig a hole. That's how they spent their day. And every day they'd come back, turn their shovel in, go to bed, get up the next morning, get their shovel, go work. Day in and day out. Well, one day the guard had them turn in their shovels, and they had 19 shovels. And the guard pulls five of them out of the line and says, you know what, this is how we're going to solve this. Whoever has the shovel, you can keep it, but I'm going to kill each one of these guys. Because unless I see that shovel or whoever hit it tells me, these five guys are gone. There was another guy in line, 19-year-old, young soldier, <coughs> step out of line saying, I took the shovel. The guard immediately takes him off to the side, shoots, kills him, dead. Another guy comes back says, listen, you better be careful with my shovels. If I give you 20, I need 20. He goes back in, counts the shovels, there's 20. He had miscounted. How do you think the 19 guys felt over the one soldier that sacrificed his life? So a 19-year-old sacrificing a bunch of freedoms in the future that he may have had the opportunity, chance to get married, chance to have a family, chance to have a new truck or a new car, chance to get home and Joy fishing with his dad, in five seconds, made a loving, sacrificial decision to lay his life down for five buddies. How do you think when they gathered around him, that made them feel? Blown away by the sacrifice, right? Now, to a greater extent, the eternal God became man born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, laid his life down for you. It's not some group of soldiers 
from years ago. It's God loving you. This is very personal. And when you see that love, do you see now how obedience is an invitation into relationship? It's a joy, not a duty. You can trust Jesus with your life. And I think sometimes that's why we struggle with obedience. Because that disobedience, what we're saying is, God, my plan for my life is better than your plan for my life. So I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do this. But when we grasp the love of Christ, do you think Jesus will ever ask you to do something that is for your bad? No. It'll be for your good and His glory all the time, every time. Will it be hard? Absolutely. Will there be times of suffering and struggle? Absolutely. But you can absolutely trust Jesus. Grasp the depth of His love for you and then follow that example. So now, you see that with verse 6. Those who know Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. Now, that's pretty simple until you see how deeply He loved. And I want you to see that because that's what we're asked to do next. Number three, if we are walking with Jesus, we will love one another. If we are walking with Jesus, we will love one another. And he talks about, hey, this isn't a new commandment. John's not bringing up something new. The people knew that they were to love one another. What was new was the example that had been given them in Christ with the cross. That's a greater love than they had seen. That's a greater love than they had seen. Laying his life down so that we might live. And then we are called to follow that example. So, I think this is interesting. When Jesus says, hey, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, in John 13, 34, the next sentence, John 13, 35, it says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So here's my question. Do people know you are following Jesus by how you love one another? Right? Because that's one of the, beloved, I'm writing to you, the verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother still in darkness. Right? Or whoever loves his brother abides in the light. You cannot, you cannot love God and hate others. Can't do it. Now, I think we've had two great litmus tests over the last few months, we'll say months. Great litmus test for the church. And I think the church has missed it. Litmus test. Science teacher, litmus test. Shows the acidity of a substance. Put a little piece of paper in. If it turns blue, it's acid or base? Base. It turns red, it's acidic. All right. So you put a little piece of paper in the substance and then you can tell what it is. So I think... When you get to this, so the litmus paper is how we love one another. And the substance we're dipping that into to see if, oh, hey, this person loves Jesus. We can see it by how they love others. And, and you put the, where are we testing it with? Look at the election. Do you think the church is known by their love for others and how we handle something as insignificant as an election? Not at all. I think we're divided all over the place in the church, in the country. Now, I'm not saying an election is not important. But in 2,000 years, no one is going to care. How you live with Jesus, 
will matter. Now and in 2,000 years. I've seen more people talk about a political candidate than they have Christ. I've seen more people passionate about defending a candidate than they have encouraging others to walk with Jesus. And then I've seen people be dismissive over people who are brothers and sisters in Christ because of a political leaning. I don't understand that. So when we have this litmus test of an election, what I would love for the world to see with Redemption Church is how we love for one another. And listen, here's the cool part. We've had people that voted for Trump, voted for Biden. I don't know if anybody voted for Kanye West. (laughs) All right. But that doesn't separate us. Why? Because we know Jesus. And because we know Jesus, we're going to love one another. We're going to be patient with one another. We're going to be understanding. We're going to listen. And we'll agree to disagree. Except on the thing that really matters, and that's Jesus. All right? So that was one litmus test. Another litmus test. COVID-19. COVID-19. You want to know what COVID-19 has done? Has encouraged people to step back and take care of their own. And yet what we see with Jesus is the opposite. The church right now should be known for reaching out to people who are hurting and scared right now. And Covington is devastated right now. Virtual only is not a good thing. Lack of structure is not a good thing. Homelessness, kids are losing homes because of finances right now and the pressure that's coming, not a good thing. Lack of food, not a good thing. And what's happening in the church is like, well, I'm taken care of. My family's good. I'm safe. It's a pandemic. I can't get out. I to wear a mask. But that's not what we see when you love one another. So I hope, and I think Balin came to know this, if the house is on fire, I'm not going to run outside. So, well, I hope Julianne can make it. I hope Ava and Balin figure out where the door is. No. My love compels me to go back in and get them, no matter what it costs me. Well, I might get burned. I might die. doesn't matter. Love trumps security, safety, comfort. And it's the same thing with the pandemic. That's the type of love we should have for one another. Now, here's my question. Do you think we have that for each other? See, John gets all up in your business. Doesn't he? It's easy to say, oh, yeah, we love We may know first names of people, even in a group this size. But do we really know each other? Do we really care about each other? All right, the litmus test here is our love for one another. Let's do this well. Let's do this well in our community. Let's love others the way Jesus loves us. And then finally, and we'll close with this. If we are walking with Jesus... We will grow in our faith, right? It's like a little poem at the end. And and you can see three stages of growth for those who follow Jesus. The first one is birth in Christ, new life, right? And and you can see his summary. I'm writing to you, little children, what? Because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. That's salvation. So those who come to Christ as Lord and Savior, putting their trust in him, are saved. But then not only are they saved, they also have a relationship with the Father, You see that in the last part of verse 13. I write to you children because you know the Father. That's how your walk with Christ starts. So if you are here 
and you do not have a walk with Christ, it starts right there. When you call on Jesus to save you, your sins are forgiven, washed away, wiped clean, and you have a relationship with God. I hope that never grows old. I hope that never grows old. So if that was you, but it's been years, don't let those two truths ever grow cold in your heart. Your sin is forgiven because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And you have a relationship with God. He is your Father. See how much stability that brings? Confidence that brings? If God is your dad, what do you have to be scared about? No matter who's the president, no matter how big a pandemic it is, confidence can't be shaken. Second stage, growing in Christ. Growing in Christ. And so you see this, overcoming the evil one. Now listen, Satan is a bad dude. He's been around a long time, messing people up for years and years and years. And you're not touching them on your own. So my question would be, how has this person growing in Christ overcome the evil one? Later on, he answers that. You see that with verse 14. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Their strength and ability to overcome the evil one comes because the Word of God abides in them. If you're taking notes, Psalm 119, Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With your whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. That's how you overcome the evil one. You get the word of God in your life. So one area that I want us to grow in is our love for and knowledge of the word of God. You have to know the Bible. And I think it's, it's interesting. Um, there was a, a kickoff. And, and on our football team, DeMarcus, you know this, we're not very deep, right? We don't have too many guys that can run down the field and make a tackle, right? And, man, I get nervous because I know every guy I put out here is somebody's son. And some of these guys are small. Some of these guys are slow. Some of these guys aren't too bright. And I do not want them to get knocked out. And what will happen in a game, I put a freshman in Friday night. I said, keep your head on a swivel. He's like, what's that? And I said, all right, you're going to run down the field, and you need to look out for a bunch of guys coming your way to knock you out. And so he was lined up right here. And what will happen is guys will run down the field, but you would think this guy will be the one to block them. No, some teams do a crossing pattern. And so this guy will be counting, and it might be him. And so he'll run from this side over here and knock him out before he can tackle the ball carrier way down there. And so what will happen, what I try to have happen, guys, you've got to look around. If someone's running at you, it's not to give you a hug, right? So keep your head on as well. That's how we should go through life. You have an enemy that is going to knock you out. Actually, that's putting it lightly. The Bible puts it, Satan is trying to kill you, destroy you. He's trying to rob you of life. He's trying to keep you from God. That's a pretty serious enemy. So if you want to keep your head on a swivel, you got to be watchful. you got to be in the Word. you got to be in the Word of God. I don't know 
if we see how important this is. And, and so now I'm just talking, I'm talking to me. I'm going to let you guys listen in. I'm looking back. Last night I had time to watch Clemson versus Notre Dame. I think it went to two overtimes, took up a lot of time. And then I think Friday night I spent time coaching a football game. This week we watched film, lots of time. And all of that doesn't have much value, especially the Clemson-Notre Dame game. There's no eternal value there. It was fun to watch. And I'm not saying don't enjoy time. But I'm looking and I'm thinking, where does this Word of God have priority in my life? So now I'm thinking, well, maybe I can cut out a show or a movie. Can I cut out 30 minutes of sleep, get up earlier to get into the Word? And there's so many ways to, to get into the Bible. Um, Shugs, you can show the, the hand illustration. There's so many ways. Dawson Trotman thought of this a long time ago, and it made it simple. You can read the Word. You can hear the Word. Um, we have guys that, that listen to the Bible as they deliver mail. Um, we have guys that study it. So that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're digging deeper. We're not just glossing by what we're, we're digging in. We should be memorizing it, right? And, and don't say, well, I just can't do that. You can. I promise you, you can. And you ask God to give you wisdom and the ability to do it, and you'll do it. Write it down. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. You will memorize it. And then that meditating on it is just thinking through it through the day. Um, and Deuteronomy, this is a cool passage. This is one thing I want to do with our family. This is what it says. I'd love to do this with our football team and basketball team too, coach and players. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Okay, I get that, right? All right? Be on your heart. You should know it. But then it goes on. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, on your eyes, and write them down on your doorposts, to your house, and to your gates. Don't you love how they're saturating themselves in the Word of God? I don't know about you, but I think he covered it all. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. So the last thing you think about at night, let it be the Word of God. The first thing you think of when you get up in the morning, let it be the Word of God. And then through the day, as you're walking, as you're sitting, let it be the Word of God. If you're going to be strong, and if you're going to overcome the evil one, it's going to be because the Word of God is alive and active and abiding in your life. And if you see a lot of weakness and you're not overcoming, see how you're handling the Word of God. And then finally, the last part is grown in Christ. And all John says about this group is, fathers, you've known Him who is from the beginning. Fathers, you've known them from the beginning. And what it's saying, and listen, I have not met too many people in this category. Take some time. What it's saying is they understand that God is eternal and the eternal God is eternally faithful from generation to generation. And they have lived a lifetime of experiences and have seen the faithfulness of God. Seen the faithfulness of God in their work, in their marriage, in their family, in their children, in life, in sickness, and then through the grave. And nothing's moving this person. They know that God is eternal. They have eternity on their minds. So, I'm going to leave you with this question. Do you know Jesus? That's why John's writing this book. Do you know Jesus? From this text, this is how you can answer this. 
I know Jesus because I am obeying His commandments. Not perfectly, but striving for obedience. I know Jesus because I'm following His example. And we looked at the example of how He loved others. I know Jesus because I love one another. And then I love Jesus because I'm growing in faith. And we grow through the Word of God. All right? So, hey, that's a lot. What I want, as I pray, I want you to ask God to show you one of those areas where you need to focus on this week. Maybe, maybe you're saying, I, Ben, I didn't, I didn't pass any of those. I don't think I know Jesus. Don't leave today without having a conversation with somebody because the invitation's for you. So let's pray, and as I pray, I want you to ask God to show you where, am I loving others? Am I obedient? Ask God to show you where you're being disobedient. Maybe you have a blind spot and He'll show you where it is. Are you following His example? And then are you growing? Or maybe it's, it's cold. Walking with Jesus is cold. Everything is messed up out there. Things, your schedule's been off. You've gotten lazy in your walk with Christ and maybe you need to do business with God there. Alright? Holy Spirit's moving. As He's working, I want you to be praying. Alright, let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, I pray for grace right now. I pray for you to move. pray for you to give us wisdom. Help us see ourselves as we really are. Help us understand if we're loving others the way you've called us to. Help us follow your example in every area of our lives. Help us walk in obedience, motivated by the love you have for us. Help us grasp how wide and how deep your love is for us. And Lord, I ask that you help us grow in our faith. I pray that we make it a priority to get into your word, to study it, to memorize it, to hide it in our hearts, and then to live it out. Father, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.